The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, I'm Haley Hubbard, mom to three and wife to a country music star. And I'm Jess Diamond, registered dietitian nutritionist and mom to one. And this is Meaningful Living, a community to make parenting and life a little easier and a lot less lonely. Every week, we talk to experts, parents, and answer your questions to share the practical tips and real side of parenting we all need. Because when you remove the doubt, fear, and stress from everyday decisions, you create more time for the meaningful moments. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. I was at dinner with a friend last night and we talked about eating disorders. And I guess that I've always categorized them into two things, bulimia or anorexia. And it dawned on me last night that there's just such a spectrum of eating disorders. Is there anything from binging and feeling extreme guilt afterwards to looking at food and feeling guilt or shame to bulimia, anorexia. And and most people probably have some form of an eating disorder. And it just, it hit me last night. I was like, I mean, I know a lot of people struggle with this, but I think really a lot of people do. And it's just, it's inevitable in our culture. We grew up in it. And most people probably have no idea because we're so used to speaking this language. And we've all heard it. Most of us have said it. Oh, I shouldn't eat that. Or I'm going to need to work out now. Or is it worth it? Why did I eat that? I need to go on a diet after this. I'm going to be good tomorrow. Like, Jess, you can probably add some in there that you've heard. I mean, the list goes on. And and I know we've all heard it. And so today, I'm really excited to dive into how to indulge without guilt and have a healthy relationship with food. And so I want to dive into these questions with you and pick your brain about it, Jess, and and then just share a little bit of my own personal experience. Yes. So you just hit the nail on the head because what you're describing is diet culture and there are eating disorders which meet like, you know, the DSM criteria for it, but then there's also a lot of disordered eating and disordered eating is what most people experience. And disordered eating is this viewing food as good and bad or right and wrong and being in a culture that values thinness almost over anything else. And that that is diet culture and we're around it all the time. There are some statistics that really, I think, bring this idea home, which is 54% of women say that they would rather be hit by a car than be considered fat. And when I heard that the first time, I was like, that is, right? Like, whoa. And it's dramatic, but it also just shows how much we value thinness over everything. You know, if we get thin, what diet culture tells us, if if we get thin, we're all of a sudden going to be happy. We'll get the career we want. We'll get the relationship we want. We'll feel good inside and out. Society will accept us. And that's, that's not true. And it really starts early in our kids, right? It there's some more statistics I'll throw at you, but 40% of, of girls aged five to nine say they wish they were thinner. That five that, to nine. Those are the statistics that five to nine year olds, Haley, five to nine, 40% of them say that they wish they were thinner. A third of third graders say that they're already afraid of being fat. I mean, this is starting, diet culture is all around us and our kids are hearing it and they're hearing it early and earlier and earlier. So I'm glad we're tackling this. And I I 
know that you have so much to add here, you know, going through it. And I like that you said that so many of us experience it because a lot of us are even feel shame to even admit when we have those thoughts. Right. And, and I do, I want to pick your brain on language to stick to around food with our kids and language to really avoid if we can. And I know that we've talked about this before, but I just feel like it's really important that we revisit this and just let's not say that. Let's try and say this more. And it's always been a goal of mine to have our kids grow up with a healthy relationship with food. And over the years, I feel like I've really gotten there. It was like six months ago, I had a moment where I felt this guilt after eating. And I remember it because it was like, whoa, I haven't felt that in so many years, which made me feel good because I I was like, wow, I've really overcome a lot of this. But it was like crazy guilt. Tyler and I talked about it afterwards. And I was like, this is so weird. Like I ate this thick pizza. I thought I ordered a thin crust pizza and it came out this thick pizza, but I was so hungry. So I just ate it. And afterwards I was so mad. I was like, I don't even like thick pizza. Why did I eat this? Oh my gosh, I feel sick. Oh, like I wish this was just out of me. It, like all, all the things hit me and I was like actually mad at myself. And that has not happened in so long, but it's taken so many years to get to that, but it still happened. Haley, like that, I mean, that's obviously old eating disorder speaking, but really much more like diet culture speaking. And it's not, the goal is never to fully get rid of it. The question is, did you act on it, right? So you felt that guilt and then what happened for the next day or 48 hours or 72 hours, right? Was there purging involved? Was there like this guilt that carried into other days or were you able to break that pattern sooner after talking through it and kind of being honest about it? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. No, I I was definitely able to recognize it, which was huge. It was like, okay, I acknowledge like what what is happening here. Someone told me a while ago that the guilt that you feel after eating that food, whatever it is, whatever you consider as quote bad, is worse than the actual food you just ate. And that has mm-hmm. stuck with me. And like, I, I don't know what it was, but that shook me. And it's it almost like flipped a switch for me. And it was like, all right, I'm not I'm not going to go that route anymore. So here's the thing that just is mind-blowing when I think about it is that when we label food as good and bad, like there aren't good foods, there aren't bad foods. Like we need to stop labeling them mm-hmm. because when we label them, when we feel, eat them, we either feel that way. We are using these external forces to feel good or to feel bad. So we're fueling that shame. Not only is that shame unhealthy for us, but because we're looking at it as a bad food, when we consume it, we're then making ourselves so much more unhealthy because now we just started the shame spiral. Mm, I know. And then it's it's never ending. And then you're like, oh, I have to do something about it. And so whether and then whether someone, you know, overworks out or has bulimia or or does whatever, it's just like it's this cycle. So with it now being the middle of the year, I always love to take a pause and reflect on the first half of the year and then make plans for the rest of the year. And really it's it's the small changes, right? It's the small changes that have the biggest impact on our overall health, whether it's our physical health or mental health. So something that I have been focusing on for me and my clients is their vitamin regimen, which is why we are so excited to have partnered with Ritual because Ritual makes 
such incredible vitamins on so many levels. So vitamins are something that's really in my wheelhouse as a registered dietitian, and there's a lot to consider when finding the right vitamin, right? So whether it's the quality of the ingredients, the nutrient profile, meaning what's actually in them, or how manageable they are to take. I mean, they need to be manageable if we're going to be consistent with them, which is so important. And Ritual checks all of the boxes. And vitamins are something most of us really need to think about taking because over 97% of women, 97% aged 19 to 55 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet alone. And 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. I've actually been taking Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin since I switched over from their prenatal. And you guys, it's amazing. It's formulated by lots and lots of research to help fill in the nutrient gaps in our diet of women ages 18 and older. So you're really getting what your body really needs to support so much, whether it's your brain health, bone health, blood health. It gives you antioxidants. You know, I'm not a salesy person naturally, but when I find something that's great, I get so passionate about it. And Ritual is one of those companies. And if you're ready to discover your new favorite multivitamin right now, Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash living and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash living. Take this as your nudge to try them. I promise you, you're going to thank us. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. I do not want that for our kids in this next generation. And I just want to to stop all that talk as much as we can and and even shift like when we hear it, how do we say something? Because it's not intentional when we hear another parent or another caregiver say, oh, you shouldn't eat that. That's got lots of sugar in it or, you know, whatever it is. How do we shift that narrative for the child, but also for the parent without putting shame on the parent then? Totally, totally. So let's tackle let's tackle all of this because this is probably one of the most important things we can do for our kids. And I go back to those statistics when I think about it because we do need to stand up for them, right? There are certain times in parenting when we can keep our mouths shut and it's okay. They're exposed to lots of different things and like we don't have to say anything and that's okay. And parents can parent differently. And there are in some situations where you'll keep your mouth shut when a comment happens like that and you process it with your kid later. But if it's coming from someone close to you or someone that's like around them a lot, whether that's a friend you hang out with all the time or family or whoever, in a kind way, you can say something. And I think it's always best to bring it back to yourself. So like in your situation, I would say, you know what? I am, I'm so sorry. And this is not to meant to be criticizing whatsoever. I grew up with an eating disorder and I really have devoted my parenting. I don't want the same thing for my kids. And I just know the little comments here or there really make a difference for them is what I've noticed. So we're just trying to minimize kind of food talk, body talk. If we could just avoid those subject matters, it would make me feel so much better. And honestly, when you say it from a place of why you're trying to do it, people are like, aha, okay, I won't say that. 
And they don't actually feel shame either because you're kind of putting it on you. So I always say like, you know what? I really didn't have the best relationship with food growing up. And so I want that different for my kids. So this is what we're trying out. We've noticed it's been working really well. We want to continue it. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something if we have a babysitter come in for the night, and you know, I know it's just one night that they're going to be there. Like what's the harm in one night? But I have my my main things that I tell them. And number one is like, this. I had an eating disorder, kind of the same thing that you just said. And food language is so important to me. And then I give them the list. And it's almost like that stuff almost comes before the like, oh, here's my phone number and emergency contact. Like this (laughs) is so important to me. Also, like we're all on the same team. The kids know what they can and can't get away with. We have each other's backs here. So those are like my main things that I tell them. But the food language is number one on that because I just... I think one thing can really affect a kid and it did it did me. Yeah. Do you remember that comment? Oh, it was a lot of little ones. Yeah. But one comment was Yeah. Oh, oh, I should quit. Oh, I should really quit eating that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and even like the word guilty. Oh, I'd feel too guilty. Oh, I need to go work out. I mean all the comments I said at the beginning, like, yeah, I heard I heard it all. Yeah. Cause I think our parents grew up in a diet culture. And and that was another thing like Weight Watchers. I remember seeing it, seeing my mom do it, and she was getting rewarded for losing weight and counting her points. And so I was like, you know, oh, how much is, how many points is this? And then I'm starting to count my points. And oh my gosh, there was Slim Fast. There was oh everything. It was just like, be skinnier. Even the marketing on SlimFast, I remember, I think it was like a skinny belly. Yeah. It just, yeah. everything we see is like, be skinny, be skinny. Don't eat that much. You can't eat this. This is bad. I think there's a little more awareness around it now, but I, I hear it and see it every day. It's all, it's all around us. And this, the problem is, it's, it's so normalized and it's contagious. So I'm sure that you've been at a dinner where someone says like, oh my gosh, I lost 15 pounds. I'm finally in these jeans. And then the other person will then say like, oh, I've been so bad. I've been cheating and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's this contagiousness that when we start talking about diet culture, everyone kind of jumps on the boat. So when I say that, so that kind of when that's happening, it's one of those reasons to kind of just gently jump in when it's happening in front of our kids, because when the conversation starts, it's probably going to go to a lot of of different places. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a bit about about this. So intuitive eating is what obviously you know, Haley, this is what I practice and this is what I work with clients about. And it's all about, it has nothing to do with deprivation and dieting. It actually is how to get off of a diet. Diets don't work. 95% of them fail. So 95% of people that go on a diet gain back that weight within three years. We know diets don't work. The problem is our society tells us diet work. And so what we really want to do is come back to like our internal signals, relearning our our bodies. But why I do what we do, why we've done meaningful living is that kids are born intuitive eaters. 
They are born with that internal signaling to know when they're hungry and stop when they're full. A baby, it's really hard to overfeed them and force them. They will eat in the way that's right for them. And what happens is that we live in diet culture and slowly over time, they start hearing external things. So they move from this internal place to this external place. So they start hearing from their friends or their parents or diet specifically or school. This is good. This is bad. Eat this. Don't eat this. And then all of a sudden, they start missing or getting rid of those internal cues that actually fill them up to be healthy. And so then they're ripe for the picking for diet cultures and eating disorders and all of that stuff. So that's the cycle that I really want to break. If we do it for anyone, let's do it for our kids. Right. And ourselves. I, I can't even explain how much happier and like less guilt I feel eating this way. And I've, I've tried it all <laughs> from, from a young age. I've done the diets. I've done all the diets. And although it might kind of work instantly, I always go back. But when I eat like this, it might take a little longer for me to feel like this is where my body is supposed to be. But it's, it's when I feel my best. And it, it does. It takes a little longer. It's not going to be the instant, oh, I cut out carbs and I lost 10 pounds or <laughs> whatever. Even bulimia in high school, I'm like, wow, this isn't working. Like, I'm actually just getting bigger. And it, my poor body was just hanging on to everything. And so it, it's interesting, like, just as a person who has gone through it, has tried everything, intuitive eating is truly, I mean, I swear by it. It's what has worked for my body. And it's, I, I watch the kids do it. And it's obviously why we do it. But it's also taken years of mental, like reframing of things that I say. And I think just having kids has, yeah. has helped that so much because I'm very conscious of, of what comes out of my mouth. And Tyler and I, you can tell like when we're about to say something and we're like, oh, Maybe that yeah. maybe that is an odd thing for us humans to say. Like, why isn't that interesting why we say that? But it it's made us very aware, which is it's good. Totally. What you're touching on is that it's like this word relationship. Like, why do we say it's a relationship with food? Because food's a relationship. It's pervasive throughout our life. It is culture. It is friends. It is family. It is memories. It is celebration. And when you are preoccupied with a diet, when you are feeling this guilt and shame, you can't actually enjoy all of those things. And so we need to repair the relationship with food so that we can show up in our lives to these relationships. And these trips, I mean, when you are in a period of disordered eating and it's really bad or an eating disorder, you don't want to go on a trip sometimes because you're afraid of what are the food choices going to be or where is the gym and how am I going to find it? And it, it's so kind of all consuming. And so what I help people do is get peace with food. Like we need to switch that relationship. And, and what you were saying is it takes practice. Like anything that we need to get good at takes practice. Practice is what makes perfect. This is not a diet where all of a sudden tomorrow morning you wake up and you can intuitively eat, right? There's things to do and it takes a lot of practice and a lot of connecting back with our body to even know what our body needs. I can't actually believe it, but back to school is here, which means time is becoming really scarce. So we partnered with Once Upon a Farm to bring you amazing snacks and meals that are as convenient as they are nutritious. 
If you've followed us, if you've taken our baby solids course, you know by now we love Once Upon a Farm. Honestly, everything, their mission, their products, everything about them is amazing. And so we are so excited because we've got a coupon code for you guys to try them out. Once Upon a Farm is the leading baby food and kids snack brand offering organic cold-pressed fruit and veggie pouches, dairy-free smoothies, overnight oats, plant-rich meals, and so much more. They're made with whole farm fresh ingredients and no added sugars, concentrates, or artificial anything. They have a subscription offering that is completely customizable, so you can pick and choose from their wide variety of blends or meals and switch it up before each delivery, which I love. They're nutritionist approved. I fully approve these. We use them in recipes on their own. We add it to yogurts, you name it. Once Upon a Farm is a staple in our house and it just feels really nice to have a convenient option that I also know is not compromising the nutrition of the product. So you guys, they're found at retailers nationwide and online. Get started today and enjoy an additional 35% off your first subscription order. Use code living at onceuponafarmorganics.com. That's onceuponafarmorganics.com. If you're looking for convenient food options, go check them out. Did you ever experience eating disorders? I don't think I know this. Yeah. No, I didn't have an eating disorder, but I definitely had disordered eating. I mean, when I was in high school, I was around all of that stuff, right? Slim fat. Like, listen, the diets of today is keto and, you know, previously Atkins. Like it's always going to change. Whole 30, those are diets. And when we were younger, it was more of the slim fast and the Weight Watchers and stuff like that. And so as a teenager, I thought it was kind of like normal. Like if you were a girl, you just kind of went on diet. So I went to, I went on a no carb phase and I would think about it and I would count it and it was exhausting. And when I went and did my schooling was really the first time when I was studying nutrition, I went into it probably because I had a preoccupation with that. And what I came out learning was oh my gosh, there is a way that you can free yourself. This intuitive eating works. This is what I could help people do. Changing people's relationship with food, whether it's kids or adults, is my favorite thing to do because it changes their entire life, your entire life. You feel better about yourself on the inside and the outside and it's it's revolutionary. So yeah, I de- there was definitely periods of disordered eating for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who hasn't really. You know, I just... It's something that's so ingrained in our our culture. Yeah. Okay, so a question that we've been asked before on our posts is, what is a way, how do you indulge without guilt? Yeah. So it's 100% possible and it's a process, right? It takes practice. It takes some time. And I think the first thing to do is we need to stop labeling food as good and bad. Because if that cookie that you are wanting to indulge in, you have labeled as bad, when you have that cookie, you feel bad. First of all, you're not enjoying it. You feel bad for eating it. You feel overindulgent. And the truth is you're going to most likely overeat that. So that's, that's the first thing. I think the biggest principle that I always say is that the more you let yourself eat the foods you crave, the less your brain obsesses and craves them. So the truth is, how do you start to break this? I mean, obviously there's 10 principles of intuitive eating and you can really work on it. But the first thing is to have yourself, give yourself permission to eat, stop labeling foods and have that pizza. And you know what? You may overeat that pizza and feel really full. The next time you do it, 
then have a little bit of less of that and add a salad or some vegetables to it and see how you feel. I mean, Haley, that's how we, that was our whole connection is I was teaching you some more like intuitive eating things, right? Like if I told you, Haley, you can't eat that quesadilla you're craving. I knew the second I left that room, all you were going to do is dream about that quesadilla, want the quesadilla, feel guilty when you ate the quesadilla. But the truth is, is it's not about eliminating these bad foods. It's about enjoying the foods that we're craving when we crave them. And the thing everyone always says to me is like, if I start intuitively eating, like I'm going to just crave cupcakes all day long. That's all I'm going to want. All I want is cupcakes and I'm not going to be able to stop eating them. That's not true. When we intuitive eating is all about kind of combining our knowledge with our emotion together and and our bodies, like our internal cues. And the truth is, is that your body wants to be nourished. And when you can get rid of those external diet talk, the good and bad stuff, let go of that and go into the internal, you can enjoy foods you enjoy and enjoy them when you're eating them and not wake up the next morning and run to the gym and be filled with this guilt. Yes. And I think there's such a difference between feeling guilty about what you're eating versus like, I want to educate myself on what my body might need right now right? Like there's a difference there, yes, right? Because I think exactly. there's, I don't want people to then feel guilty about, well, you know, I've been doing research on like, I need, I'm trying to see what my body needs. And, and I feel like that is important to like, okay, how can I feel like my best self? And, and we shouldn't feel guilty about that. And like, what, what should I put in my body for that? Because I also think that that that's fascinating. And like, totally, we do want to feel good ultimately. And, and food is, a big key to that. Exactly. It's all about getting into our internal cues. I mean, I'm a dietitian. So obviously there's a difference between broccoli than there is a cupcake. But if we demonize the cupcake, you know, and we put this broccoli on the pedestal, what's going to end up happening is we're going to overeat the opposite of what we want. And, and I think it's important to start to learn to see how you feel. Most people are so out of touch with hunger and fullness. They do not know when they're hungry. They usually eat when they're ravenous and they overeat and they don't know when they're full. Like those simple cues that our kids are born with, us as adults, a lot of us don't have it. And so it's about relearning that. And when you're learning that, you see how broccoli fuels your body different than a cookie does. And the truth is, you're not going to want a cookie for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day when you give yourself that permission to enjoy it mm-hmm. and have it. So what are, real quick, like, what are a few phrases that you really stick to around eating? And then a few phrases that it's just like, let's let's try to not say that. Yes. So I never, ever, ever say, like, I really, really try. This is one of those that's like, like you, it's like hard line. I really don't want to say it. I don't label food as yummy, good, yucky, bad, dessert, treat, special. Things where we're, we're labeling the food, not of what it is. I just say, what is on the menu? It's broccoli. I don't say it's good for you. I don't say a cookie, it's dessert, it's a treat. I stop labeling foods with kids. And then- The things that I do say is I talk, honestly, I focus on having conversations with them outside of food. So much, we're so focused on the food at the table and I try to just have any conversation with them outside of food. And when I do say something, it's usually you can have as much or as little as you want, giving them permission to eat or not to eat, or it's not on the menu today. Those are the types of things I say at meals. If I'm inclined for them to describe a meal, I have them describe it. Like I'll say to Bryce, is it hot? Is it cold? Is it crunchy? Is it crispy? As opposed to, is it good? Is it bad? 
Do you not like it? Is it yucky? So those types of things. And then I think it's important, Haley, me and you have talked about this a lot, but it's really important to rephrase, I think, how we talk about our kids, like to our kids about our bodies, because it's not just food, it's body talk. And I do not say, I try not to say these things for me, but I definitely try not to say them in front of kids, which is, I feel fat or this outfit doesn't look good on me. I feel so gross, you know, whatever it may be. Or I'm so proud of myself. I lost weight. I'm in this new dress. Anything where we're kind of talking about our weight, I try to stay away from that and compliment myself on the inside. And it helps my mental health too, you know, as opposed to saying like, oh, my arms are so big or whatever. It's like, I'm so happy I've got such strong arms that I can pick Bryce up. I'm so proud of that. And those are the comments that I say in front of kids. And like everything we talked about, Haley, I think we can redo this through our kids. And whenever I make those comments, when I'm saying it in front of Bryce, I feel better about myself too. Oh, it's so true. It's a win-win. I really love talking about this stuff with you because it's so interesting. And I think we all all need these reminders because again, like I said, it's so ingrained in us. And so it's, it's great to have this little refresh. So thank you. Thank you. I'm glad we did this. Me too. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. It'd mean the world to us if you'd take a second to rate, review, and follow the show and tell your friends about it. It's the best way to support the show. And if you have any questions you want us to cover on the show, call our voicemail line at 833-444-FULL. We want to hear from you. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com for resources, courses, and to shop our favorites. Can't wait to see you next week. 